And welcome into another episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers Podcast. At the time of this recording, the Pacers are 2-2 two and two on the season, coming off a tremendous offensive showing on the road in Minnesota in a 130-107 victory over the Timberwolves. They shot the lights out. A new franchise record, 66.7% from the field. All but one player who played shot 50% or better. And Domanis Sabonis was perfect. 7 for 7, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Darren Collison with 16 assists. That was tremendous in all. The Pacers were able to pick up their first road win of the season and moved back to 500 with the 130-107 victory. Reunion week continues for the Pacers on Thursday, one night after playing Jeff Teague, Aaron Brooks up in Minneapolis. They're down in Oklahoma City to face the reigning MVP in Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and, yep, Paul George. He was the franchise's star for the last several years. He was with the team since 2010. But this summer, his agent informed Kevin Pritchard that Paul would not be re-signing with the franchise at the end of this season. And that was a classy gesture by both George and his agent Aaron Mitz. What took it a step further, however, was that Everybody throughout the league knew that he wanted to get to the Lakers. And so in doing so, that really diminished his trade value. And the Pacers then had a difficult time moving him because he had just one more year left under his contract. And ultimately, just before the July 1 start of free agency, Kevin Pritchard finalized a deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder and general manager Sam Presti to send Paul George, the four-time All-Star, down to the Thunder, notably out of the Eastern Conference, in exchange for Victor Oladipo, the IU star, and Domanis Sabonis. Both guys very underappreciated, and in Sabonis's case, misused. But thus far, the results have been tremendous when it comes to Oladipo, a starter, and Sabonis, who's now thrusted into the starting lineup with Miles Turner missing time due to a concussion. It, without a doubt, is meaningful for all three of the players involved within the trade, and you just know the Pacers want to return to Indianapolis with a W from Oklahoma City. And it would be a mighty impressive road trip if they can do so to return with two victories over two playoff teams from the Western Conference. On today's podcast, I'll be joined by Royce Young of ESPN.com. He's been on the Oklahoma City Thunder beat for nearly a decade. So he's had great experience covering Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and now this new bunch that is highlighted by their big three, or what they're calling OK3. But before we get to that, Paul George spoke with Oklahoma City Thunder reporters on Tuesday. Here's a snippet of him talking about this reunion game. It'll be emotional from the standpoint of... Organization I started with, you know, had a wonderful journey with, um, seven unbelievable years with. Uh, you know, it, it'll be emotional from that standpoint. Um, obviously, being there with Miles um, through his journey, and, and in a way, kind of handing the torch to him um, for him to, to, to take Indiana even further. Um, you know, it, it, it'll be fun. You know, it'll be fun to see a lot of familiar faces, especially in the front office. Looking forward to it. Paul, back on uh, Pacers Media Day, your old teammate Miles Turner was quoted as saying that the vet's voice in the locker room just didn't resonate. And considering that was your franchise in your city for so long, I mean, how does that make you feel going into the game on Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's not it's not lighting fuel or, or adding fuel to the fire. Um, you know, it's, it's we were uh, a, a veteran group that had. 
lot of different you know, directions. So it's, it, it is what it is. I know with my voice and, and whatever I said, I stuck to it. So it has nothing else to do with anything else. Seems like they're playing very small, trying to push the pace, push the tempo. What's going to be key for you guys tomorrow? Been the same. I think every team has kind of been, been trying to use that transition game. We've done a great job. Um, I I feel so far on living in transition. Our only challenge is when we play the bigger teams is, is getting those rebounds. Um, but I think we'll be fine. We take care of the ball. We rebound. We should have no problems tomorrow night. You said the other day, you know, Carmelo wanted that next game as he should. Is it a same, similar situation for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, tomorrow we laser focus. And, uh, you know, really up to the time. So we get this one tomorrow. Players always seem to downplay these reunion-type games or facing a former team or playing in their hometown, but it is meaningful, and you can be sure that teammates like Russell Westbrook, like Carmelo, this is for Paul. And today, if they can set him up for a 30-plus point performance, that will be the case. That's what I'm fully expecting from them because they would want that in return. And already this year, the first game of the season – That's what they tried to do for Carmelo as the Thunder hosted the New York Knicks. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Royce Young of ESPN.com. All right, I welcome on Royce Young, ESPN.com, beat reporter covering all things Oklahoma City Thunder and Paul George. Royce, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast here with me. How are things down in Thunderland? It's going extremely well, Scott. It's a little windy, but... uh... You know, for October in Oklahoma, not too bad. We've essentially hit the point in the season now where it's it's basketball time because I look outside and we're looking at mid-40s and rain. So all the focus can be on basketball, and on Thursday, it'll be in Oklahoma City. And I was, as I was telling you before we started recording, a lot of sentiment around Pacer fans. They don't care for Paul George anymore. They don't care about those seven years. They feel that he turned uh, his back on this franchise. What has things been like for Paul George and covering him these last couple of months? And I thought it was interesting, the last uh, an interview from a couple days ago, he kind of shouldered it off. Yeah, we'll get to it when we get to it. Right, and even in that uh, in that question, Scott, you know, he was kind of asked, and granted it was right after a buzzer-beating loss to the Wolves, kind of an excruciating way to lose the game, and uh, two days off before they, they set in to play the Pacers at that time, and uh, when Paul George was asked about, you know, who, who they play next, he kind of, I think, tongue-in-cheek said who? <laughs> and, yeah, and that's, I think that's he was Paul trying, trying to, to be, be cute. funny about it. Yeah, that's him trying to be cute with right. it. Right. I don't think it was, yeah, I don't think it was disrespectful at all by any means, but I, I do think that, I think from his perspective that um, much in the same way Carmelo Anthony just kind of went through the, uh, a week and a half ago playing the Knicks, is to just kind of get this over with. And and it's it's not the same thing as when he will make his return to Indianapolis. That's a whole different animal. And he'll have to actually, you know, look at the people, the arena workers, the front office people, the fans that he got to know, courtside or whoever it might be, that's going to be a whole different series of emotions. You know, this isn't, this isn't like Westbrook and Durant meeting for the first time out in Golden State last year. From what I understand, there's really not any bad blood between Paul George and his former teammates. You know, it's not like him and Miles Turner are feuding or something like that. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it, it'll be for him, I think he's looking forward to getting over it. But for the last few months, there's been no question about it that 
he's he seemed really excited and really happy about where he's at. How often is he questioned about this? And I go to the the conversation, for instance, of Kevin Durant, like what might he do in free agency, which owned uh, every city he stopped through. Is this something here in the first few games that Paul's asked about in every market? Not really so far, you know. Um, you know, they've obviously in Salt Lake City. I don't think that they see themselves as a contender for Paul George next summer. Um, but uh, you know, that was not anything that that came up whatsoever. And you know, I think for people, uh, especially locally in Oklahoma City, it's kind of like one of these out of sight, out of mind things. They just don't even want to think about the possibility of another, you know, hall of, potentially Hall of Fame type of player walking out the door in Oklahoma City. They've seen that happen far too often already. So. Um, you know, I think that it's it's going to be the type of narrative that I think kind of cranks up as the year goes along. Right now, it's fresh, it's new. Adding in Carmelo Anthony to the mix has got people more excited about the roster. I think it's gotten Paul more excited about the roster. Um, so right now, it's that's it, kind of got that new car smell. It's like a you know, it's a fresh relationship, the infatuation stage. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, in a couple more months. On the rank of storylines that maybe the Thunder fans want to click on your stories on ESPN.com, where would you rank kind of Paul George's stories? I would believe third, fourth behind you know Russell. Will he be MVP again? Triple doubles, and how can Carmelo insert himself within this organization? Yeah, that's a good question, and it, you know, from not to not to make it about myself, but like it is a completely different world now. Going from, you know, previously it was Durant and Westbrook and everything about them together, um, and then it was just singly about Russell Westbrook, and now it's kind of like you got these three megawatt stars. You know, you got the reigning MVP Russell Westbrook, who's the biggest star. You got Carmelo Anthony, who's a basketball icon and future Hall of Famer, and then you have Paul George. You know, it was supposed to originally kind of be. You know, Westbrook and George teaming up and how their relationship was going to work and how the season was going to play out between them. And then you throw Melo into the mix. And it's not that Paul has taken a back seat to it by any means, but um, he certainly is not the you know significant focus that he was maybe as of two months ago or what he was thought to be coming into the season. The thing is for Paul, though, as you know, Scott, um, he's extremely accommodating when it comes to media responsibilities. and He's extremely polite. Um, and so from my perspective, he gets, in, he gets, in, you know, his name in the headlines a lot just for the fact that he makes himself available in contrast to one of the other guys on the team, Russell Westbrook, who yeah. often can make himself quite difficult. <laughs> so Paul is a, Paul is a breath of fresh air in, in my mind. Yeah. I was going to go into that because whenever NBA, uh, national writers, especially are asked about the difficult players to cover, Russell is number one on their list. So in turn, you, you obviously still have to get anything you can get out of Westbrook, but that said, are you now leaning more on Carmelo, on Paul? Oh, absolutely. And, and plus, you know, they don't know Westbrook exceptionally well. I mean, they've, they've known him from times with Team USA and uh, other, other you know, all-star games and stuff like that. But a lot of times with Westbrook, it's, it's better to have other people talk about him rather than himself. So, um, and especially Paul and, and Carmelo are great quotes. They, they're really insightful, candid, thoughtful guys. Um, but yeah, it is, I think it is kind of, it's going to be kind of maybe, uh, I don't know if it'll, I'd call it a crutch or kind of just instinct to kind of go to those guys because they're the good quotes. They're, they're, heavy. they're like I said, thoughtful, candid, um, Westbrook is, is I I've known Russ for almost a decade now and he can be kind of difficult, but I still kind of enjoy talking to Westbrook cause it's like trying to crack a riddle every time you talk to him. Like, how can I get one good quote out of this guy? So, that's a challenge. That's, you like, enjoy that. You, know, you got to kind of. Yeah, yeah, I think so because, like, you know, you kind of put your, uh, you know, you put your battle helmet on and get ready, and <laughs> you got to be on your toes, and 
and uh, you know you, you don't walk into a, a scrum with Westbrook ill prepared and um, you know, I, like I said, I've known the guy for a long time and, uh, have a pretty good relationship with him. So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I can kind of give it back to him when he's, uh, when he's throwing it out there. So, but there's no question about it that having players like Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, uh, make my job significantly easier than it was a year ago. What are the general storylines that Paul has been talking about this season? And obviously, he goes into every season the last three or four years saying he wants to be MVP or try to be that. I have no problem right. with that. You have to aspire. You have to set your goals high. What other things are we talking about, Royce? Yeah, he's talking a lot about you know how, how special he thinks the team can be on the defensive end, and I think he sees himself as kind of the anchor of that. He's always been known as one of the best two-way players in the game. Um, and I, I think that he sees himself being able to kind of imprint a new defensive identity on, on the Thunder. He's obviously he's, – he's spent a lot of time, and it hasn't played out necessarily the first three games just because I don't – you know, he hasn't shot the ball up to his standards. Um, but he's talked a lot about, you know, being in kind of this new position where he's got a point guard like Russell Westbrook to get, that's getting him pretty easy looks a lot of times. And, he, you know, both him and Carmelo Anthony have talked about the adjustment, and they didn't say it as a, as a slight to anything or as a negative – or even even tongue in cheek, but they're kind of adjusting to to taking open shots, and that's not something that they're used to. Or, or on another thing that Paul has kind of referenced is, you know, he's used to having a second defender shadowing him, or or even having the second defender fully sent to him. Him and both Carmelo are finding themselves with pure isolation plays a lot more than they did uh, in years past, just because of what's on the floor with them. So, you know, all three of those guys have talked a lot about the adjustment period and kind of acclimating themselves to one another. But, you know, Paul has definitely, you know, he, he sees the team and he's used the word special. He's used him and Carmelo both have talked openly about their desire to, to win a championship with this team that they think that they're capable of it. That's where I think Paul will really benefit is he is a tremendous catch and shoot player. And so right. what I've seen in the, I think two games I've been able to watch thus far is he'll get it, you know, right out of the arc there and just fire away and, connect with great accuracy. I think that's where he's going to have a lot of success. And same thing with Mello. We hear a lot about Olympic Mello. And if Russell's attacking, Paul's open on one side. We'll see Carmelo on the other side. Yeah, I think and that's, that's kind of how Billy Donovan's got, I think, in his mind's eye, is just to be able to spread the floor with these guys. You know, you got Carmelo as a pick-and-pop guy, somebody to run a two-man game with Westbrook, while Paul George is curling off the uh, pin down on the weak side. I mean, Paul George moves as well without the ball as, as just about any player in the league. And that's something the Thunder have sorely needed over the years, and that's something that I think Russell Westbrook likes to look for. You know, a lot of people talk about Westbrook and, and how he kind of orchestrates offense. Westbrook will find you if you're moving and you're open, and he, he will look for you. And that's why I think the partnership with George can work pretty well is because Paul George is in constant motion. The guy likes to move up, you know, along the baseline. He likes to curl up to the top of the key. And, you know, right now, like I said, his shot's really not fall, been falling so much. And, you know, even himself, Paul, kind of joked the other night that he's, uh, I think it, the way he phrased it was that he's, he's worried but not concerned mm-hmm. um, about his shot not falling right now. But he, he, he feels like it's all a rhythm thing. And, and once he kind of gets in rhythm and, and learns how he's catching it, where he's catching it, when he's catching it, um, that they'll start falling for him. Is it weird for you, for instance, like a Kevin Durant, like I knew where you were going with that. I knew exactly what Paul was going to say. Yeah, I'm a rhythm guy. I'm going to try to get shots early in the game to try to get into. I knew exactly what he was going to say, just from covering oh, yeah. a guy for I mean, so long. It, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you, you can you can almost write it down before he even says it. There's no question about it. I mean, Westbrook. Uh, 
And, and, you know, honestly, Scott, I don't feel like it takes even that long because these guys, I think, kind of get stuck in their own cliches sometimes. And so you, can, you can you can almost, you know, you can sort through them pretty pretty soon even after you get to know them. Mm-hmm. And, Paul, if you ask him a question and that, that could be answered with a yes, he'll answer a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, and then get into his answer. That's one of his crutches. <laughs> so you can't ask him a yes or no question. That is good to know because Russell Westbrook... You don't come with that yes or no question. (laughs) Paul, as you said, very accommodating. My biggest thing with him I've found over the years, Royce, is that oftentimes he says what he thinks people want to hear. For instance, and this I I always go back to, the day before his agent called Kevin Pritchard of the Pacers, Paul was sitting with his back against a dugout at a charity softball game saying how he wants nothing more than to win a title for Indianapolis and what they've done for him. Sounds great, mm-hmm. but clearly clearly there, there were conversations before that where we know those comments just were not going to happen. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds much like a player that I used to cover uh, once upon a time in Oklahoma City. <laughs> but, and I think... And I, I think that um, I think sometimes these guys can kind of fall into that. That you know, it's the setting that they're in, it's the person that they're talking to, and that they can often say what um, you know what what people kind of what they think people want to hear. And that's why you know Paul George has said a lot of you know very positive, very strikingly positive things about his time already with the Thunder and how happy and excited he is to be Westbrook's teammate. And and while certainly all that stuff, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's. What's the alternative? He says bad things about the Thunder. You know, that's not a good thing. So, you know, this is expected, but it's, it's for the same reason why, you know, everybody's got to understand you've got to pump your brakes. You can't get too far out over the, uh, the handlebars here mm-hmm. and start looking down the line and assuming that something Paul George says nice about the Thunder or nice about Oklahoma City in, you know, September or October is going to matter one bit come July 1st of next year. And that's why... You know, this is this is a year long thing, and I think the Thunder themselves are not operating with disillusionment here to think that Paul George is signing a lifetime contract with them. They're going to try to do the best they can this year. They're going to recruit the heck out of them all season long. Westbrook signing that extension, I think, is going to go a long way towards doing that. Um, but they're they're not. They're you know nobody around the Thunder are operating with the mindset that Paul George is is you know signed in blood with the team for the next. Five years. Yeah, and you just can't anymore in, the, in today's day and age till the ink is dry. Let's go back to that end of June date right before the start of free agency. I remember I was at dinner and Ramona Shelbourne's tweet pops up, then texts start rolling in. Paul George to Oklahoma City. Right. What kind of dealer, what kind of general manager is Sam Presti? As I'm, I'm looking back at some of the stories you wrote, and I remember you were saying how Sam Presti talked about he's in on everything, you just may not hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Presti is a complete grinder. He is as meticulous as any front office executive as there is in the league. And the one thing about him is that he always sees himself as an opportunistic guy. And, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times what where front office executives sometimes err is that they're not patient. And, you know, Presti was pushing for trades with, you know, with the Pacers for Paul George back in the trade deadline. They were interested in Carmelo Anthony uh, back then. But, they, but Presti basically just said this is the offer, and he kind of, you know, was it's a risk, but it's part of. It, I think it's part of where he's shrewd and he's savvy, is that he just said, "I've got an offer out. This is the best I can do." And when all the chips kind of came falling down for Kevin Pritchard, and all the offers sort of dried up, and things kind of got maybe a little bit personal with some of the other offers, um, Sam Presti's phone rang, and that's the one that they wanted to take. So, you know, I think that that's where Presti um, is is really smart, is that he collects assets. He develops assets, and when and he can and he can kind of 
by this time, and I don't think that he's over-aggressive. I think he kind of balances the line really well, um, and that's why he was able to kind of seize on the opportunity of both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I thought the interesting comments a few weeks later, maybe it was in Lee Jenkins' piece, I forget, was Paul talking about Oklahoma City being a small market like Indianapolis and how he appreciated them willing to be bold and willing to go after big-name free agents like himself, like Carmelo. And In fact, they didn't even have to deal away a first-round pick. What is it about the market, about Sam Presti or ownership, um, that we saw them push forward like this, for instance, we didn't see in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think one of the things is that, you know, the Thunder organization is really a civic project with Oklahoma City. And it's it's really been incredible how it's completely intertwined itself with the city itself, the community, um, the state, that, you know, it, it's it's a unique thing that, that Oklahoma City has. And some other teams have it, but, you know, it's almost maybe comparable to what Green Bay has with the Packers, where it's like it's part of the fabric and the identity of the city now. And um, I think that that kind of responsibility comes with uh, the ownership senses that, that, you know, it, it's a rising tide lifts all boats type of thing. And while a lot of people have panned to Clay Bennett for not paying, um, even though they say he wasn't going to pay the luxury tax, I guess paying enough of the luxury tax to keep James Harden because he was going to pay luxury tax. Um, now look at he's come around and he's going to maybe be paying one of the highest tax bills in uh, in league history come next summer if all this works out the way that they want it to. And Bennett just sees this as the commitment to doing business in the NBA. And I think for a, a businessman like him, the Thunder have really managed their, their money well over the last decade. They've put money away. They, they've got a pretty good little savings account going, and they can now shell it out. And I think that that's, that's kind of the mindset it is, is that the Thunder are really well run, taught from ownership to the front office, um, through everybody out the organization, that they they pride themselves on trying to be a first class organization. They certainly make a lot of mistakes. There's no question about it. But I think all of that kind of um, tied together with the, with the commitment of the city and the commitment of ownership has kind of produced what they have here. One of my biggest observations uh, over the last several years when they've made their annual stop in Indianapolis is their locker room. Again, it's a small sample size, terribly small sample size. But everybody was listening to the same music. Everything right. along with the gum and wristbands, whatever it is at the center table, incredibly organized. The guy making the shakes was back there organized. To me, it just had a, a first-class professional feel to it in an environment that, that welcomed everybody in rather than, all right, here's our two stars and here's everyone else. Yeah, I think a great example of that really, Scott, is the way that they handled uh, Ennis Canner's arrival. You know, he, he came in as a very devout Muslim, um, and the Thunder, one of the first things they did is that they, in the practice facility, uh, designated a prayer room for him. Wow. And that's not that's something that he had with the Jazz. And, yeah, so, I mean, and, and they, um, they had somebody that um, scouted out cities for halal food. I, now, I'm not up to snuff on all, all of this <laughs> exactly, but, but they basically did everything that they could do to accommodate Ennis Canner and his... Uh, religious principles and figure out a way to make him comfortable in the organization. And they they do that sort of stuff. They they go to every single detail that they possibly can. You know, as soon as you know, it's no big surprise because they're recruiting the heck out of him right now. But you know, they knew, were well aware that Paul George likes the fish. And so, guess what they did the day after that he arrived in Oklahoma City officially? They had him set up on a lake, ready to go fishing <laughs> up in Lake Arcadia. So, um, you know that that's the attention to detail that they try to take. Let's talk about the other side of the trade briefly. Uh, what the Pacers got in return: Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis. And Sabonis, if, if 
team members had to signal one guy, point out one guy that jumped out at them at training camp. It was Sabonis. The biggest thing I read from the whole situation and in talking with Sabonis and others was how he was used in Oklahoma City. started 66 games, Mm -hmm. but he was used not in a way best fit towards his game. Did you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. They tried to turn him into a stretch four. And and there was some success there at times. You know, right up until Christmas, he shot nearly 40% from three. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I mean, Sabonis was cast into a very difficult situation. He was playing along, alongside Russell Westbrook. And Westbrook, while I think kind of took Sabonis under his wing, you know, there was different times where, you know, Westbrook told Sabonis to start coming into the practice facility early to shoot with him um, at like 8 a.m., which used to be the time that Westbrook would shoot with Durant. Now it was Westbrook and Sabonis. It was kind of the symbolic thing of him taking a player under his wing. But I think that there was a level of intimidation there from Sabonis. I think that he struggled kind of playing alongside Westbrook. He was a young 20-year-old rookie playing with this ferocious guy that was on, uh, you know, basically a mission to average a triple-double. And I think that that kind of wore on Demonis and um, but, you know, in my mind and anybody you talk to within the Thunder organization, exceedingly high on his skill set, his motor, and his ceiling. And, and that's kind of the interesting thing about this trade, Scott, is a lot of people panned it, right? A lot of people said that, oh, man, the Pacers gave away Paul George. Well, first of all, you have to think about, you know, they had a player that had basically said he didn't want to be there. And you can't evaluate players in the deal based on the fact that you just think the trade was bad. Victor Oladipo is a very good NBA player. He had one of his best, most efficient seasons last year, shooting, especially shooting the ball. If he didn't hurt his wrist, he was on pace to shoot a higher than 40% from three himself. Sabonis is a 20-year-old rookie, uh, lottery pick, with a ton of potential and a ton of upside. And people want to just pan the trade because, oh, that's what they got for Paul George. These are two really, really good players. And I think that there's a lot of reason in my mind um, for Pacers fans to be excited about those guys. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I thought they could have gotten maybe a first-round pick also or something like that out right. of it. I, I can't stand some of the talk. It always seems to come from Boston for whatever reason that Boston offered <laughs> everything, four draft picks, two, you know, Jalen Brown and more. It's like, no, no, let's let's get serious here. Those those deals just do not happen. All right. It's it's not coincidental that these things start leaking out after the fact of like oh this is what they were offering well this is what was actually offered and what was actually uh, put on the table and then Victor Oladipo just one year in Oklahoma City and one telling point for me about him from both Orlando and Oklahoma City is he's gone with the storyline and talked about how he finally feels appreciated now of course he gets all the love here in Indiana because of his roots and playing right. IU basketball but. Was that something that was obvious in Oklahoma City, how he was just kind of that guy over there and not appreciated? A hundred percent. And and I and I think that that was unexpected for Victor. You know, when when the deal was made and he was brought in, it was expected that Victor was going to be the Thunder sixth man. He was going to kind of be there, you know, the, the closest they could try to get to recreating James Harden in that second unit. They expected to keep Kevin Durant. Um, they expected to have Oladipo as kind of this – guy that they could throw in to lead their second unit and um, really fit in as like a, a piece of the team that didn't happen obviously Durant leaves and now Oladipo is cast alongside Westbrook as um, you know now his backcourt made and kind of the co-star for the team and, and I think Victor was a little bit uncomfortable with that himself and then you have what Westbrook did where he just takes over the world yeah. and and basically, you know, just kind of suffocates anybody else within the locker room. Not necessarily in a bad way, but it just it just happened to turn out that way. That and and you know, Victor is not the most 
um, charismatic person. So I don't think that fans or media really kind of latched on all that much to him because he is a pro's pro and a, and a super guy, no question about it. Um, but when you're standing alongside Russell Westbrook chasing a triple-double and maybe winning MVP, he just kind of got lost in that mix. Royce, I really appreciate the insight. I know you got to go here and uh, look forward to seeing you in Indy on December 13th as PG-13. I love that symmetry there. Returns to Indy. Yeah. Uh, you bet, Scott. Thanks for having me. Man.